The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is James Hunter. Now, James collectively has over 32 years of experience as a wellness professional with 26 of those years in professional experience working in the mental health field with 24 of those years as a fully licensed psychotherapist. Personal interests also include the paranormal, existential issues, spiritual topics, mysticism, and the metaphysical, which is probably why we're here. So hi, James. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, I am very excited to talk with you, especially when we hear about you in this intro, psychotherapist, like many, many years of experience. But then you also have other interests and you actually have a YouTube channel dedicated to those interests. Can you talk a little bit more about how that came to be? Yeah, sure. I don't mind at all. So I do have a YouTube channel. I started it last year. It's simply just under my name, uh, James Hunter, kind of like a podcast type channel where I interview people, different walks of life. They may have different belief systems, spiritual, existential, metaphysical. Maybe some people have had some uh, paranormal experiences. So the reason I started this channel is because as I mentioned in my description, I've always been, I have been interested in different ways of viewing this reality, this world, phenomenological experiences that there's actually a field called parapsychology that looks at phenomenological experiences that don't fit in the mold of empiricism, like things you can explain through science or empirical methods. So things that have to do with basically our organs can't account for it, right? My brain, my eyes, my senses cannot explain ESP, for example, right? Or people who may have, I guess, uh, psychokinesics, right? You can move things with your mind, right? So Uh these would be things that would be considered paranormal or they're phenomenological experiences that fall in this category. Mm. So I've always Mm -hmm. been interested in Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Now, in my background and field, uh, because of academics and education, yeah, there's a bit of a way of viewing basically studying human behavior and experiences. So you have a lot of things that is promoted in academia, like evidence-based empirical methods. It has to be observable and measurable, right? So that's a very limited inbox for me. So I wanted to have a channel that, yeah, I'm a psychotherapist. I work in the mental health field. So how do I have a channel where I listen to people who have all these far out beliefs, perhaps compared to mainstream? Well, the way I do it is because, okay, not everyone who has a paranormal or phenomenological experience that doesn't fit inside the mold of mainstream beliefs doesn't have to necessarily be something that's abnormal or a mental illness, for example, because I get that a lot. Well, how do you know the difference between somebody who's mentally ill, having a psychotic break, or somebody who's just latching on to something because they want to get attention or they're trying to get their needs met through these beliefs, right? 
Well, actually, I have a video on my mm-hmm. channel that distinguishes mm-hmm. between those things. What's the threshold between maybe someone who has a mental illness versus a paranormal yeah. belief? So is a person's paranormal beliefs, experiences, uh, mystical beliefs, can it be viewed as part of a person's culture uh-huh. versus part of the a pathology? Those are different things. Sometimes it can. Somebody might have a bipolar disorder, they're manic, they haven't slept in four days. Yeah, they might have some breaches of reality, just like somebody with Alzheimer's dementia can. So there's an explanation, right? However, somebody might have beliefs or experiences that, yeah, it's just their culture. I'm going to give a quick example about why I started my channel. Okay, so people who are Christian, I know that you had an experience with Jesus and he told you to spread the word of, of love. Okay, yeah. so as a Christian, I can go to church and I can listen to a Pentecostal preacher or some charismatic preacher. And what would they tell you? Mm-hmm. I'm getting a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit and it's telling me right now, right? Does that sound familiar? Like mediumship, right? Yeah. It's telling me there's somebody That's out right. there that needs to hear this, right? So God has given me a prophetic message. The book of Corinthians, Apostle Paul talks about word of knowledge, prophecy, all these things, spiritual gifts, if you will. And by the way, if you don't have love, none of those things matter. Love's the greatest, right? Yeah. So Christians, no problem. I can listen to that all day long. In fact, I have no problem suspending my empirical bias for science and being able to have to have the explanation, yeah, I can suspend that to be comfortable to believe that my culture and religion and faith in Jesus, that he walked on water, which is a paranormal, phenomenological, supernatural experience, that he took a few fish and loaves of bread and multiplied them to feed thousands of people, a miracle. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. He literally kept the party going. And of course, <laughs> of course, we know Jesus was crucified, resurrected. Now, the inferences that can be made about the meaning of that spiritually, figuratively, about what the resurrection and all that means, that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But nonetheless, you get the idea. Jesus had all these metaphysical, supernatural, paranormal things happening. And as American uh, or somebody in another country who has my routine and my little comfort bubble, right? Yeah, no problem, Jesus. I'm down with that. Woohoo, look at me go. I'm all proud of myself, my own self-righteousness, right? But my neighbor Harry across the street, when he starts telling me that he believes that he had an experience where he saw something that made no sense, he believes he saw Bigfoot. Well, that Harry has to be a nut. He's crazy. What the heck is he talking about? I think he's just making that stuff up. Or people telling me about aliens from other planets other dimensions, or somebody sees ghosts, right? So you get the idea. It's a double standard. It's sure, a double standard. Sure. So that's a big part of why I started my channel, to listen to people without judgment and listen to experiences. And yes, I just love talking about it. Now, on my channel, I do all things that are existential issues, purpose and meaning, near-death experiences. Great to hear about those. Sure, a ghost story, you want to talk about aliens, whatever. So I do give disclaimers in my video to know where that boundary is as far as me being a mental health professional, a psychotherapist. I'm not prescribing any kind of a treatment to people on there. I'm just sharing thoughts and opinions. And so on. I could go on all day with why I started the channel, but it's fun. I like doing it. (laughs) That bottom line, it's fun. (laughs) I agree. I I really enjoy doing this too and talking to all sorts of people and their experiences as well. So you cover a lot of really, I think, interesting topics on your YouTube channel, and you've had a lot of really interesting people on there. What are some of the really interesting things that you've learned that aren't mainstream ideas? Like, for instance, 
I don't know, maybe something about Bigfoot. Cause I know Bigfoot comes up a lot. Is there something that you learned about Bigfoot that is outside of the <laughs> mainstream? And I say mainstream because even the idea of Bigfoot's not really mainstream, but the idea of mainstream that people may not realize. Yeah. Well, sure. Good question, because I have learned some things. You know, I've watched documentaries like on Tubi, that app you can get on streaming of different Bigfoot documentaries. And I was like, sorry to kind of seeing some things that are at least weren't the old mainstream. So there's a Patterson videos, the guy walking in that video, black and white, all those years ago. And there's other videos of Bigfoot. So yeah, he might be called Yeti, Sasquatch, Skunk Ape, depending on what cultural interpretation of this creature. So for me, I used to think of Bigfoot as maybe residual or remnant of a prehistoric hominid, which is a pre-human, before you get to human beings, which they were physiologically just superior to us. They had the structure to look like a Bigfoot. They're big, right? Lloyd Pye, he's deceased. He has a video on YouTube called Everything You Know Is Wrong. And he talks about this theory of when we look at the hominid, that maybe that's what Bigfoot is. He's this leftover hominid pre-human that found a way to survive and be reclusive. So I used to think, yeah, maybe there could be something out there. I mean, freaking Alaska is huge. We got all these areas that maybe something it's hard to find. Bones, right? How come we don't find Bigfoot's bones? Well, you see my videos. I have all kinds of deer where I live at. And with all the deer everywhere, I've never once ran into deer bones, to be honest oh, with you, scavengers, whatever. You're not going to find them very often. Okay, so here's what I learned from interviewing people is that, okay, wow, this is like so much further than just Earth and terrestrial Bigfoot. No, Bigfoot, he can be from another planet. Is it Maldock, I think, what uh, April's called the name of that planet. She says she channels Bigfoot, our mutual friend. So, okay, Bigfoot might be from another planet and their planet perhaps – expired. So they're living here now. Maybe they're keepers of the earth or they're stewards of nature, if you will. Bigfoot might even be interdimensional, right? In fact, one of my questions is that, just to be a bit silly, people have all these questions about Bigfoot that are maybe scientific or spiritual existential issues of what it means if there is a Bigfoot, like what does it mean for us? Me, I'm, I'm just yeah. curious, what are his activities <laughs> of daily living? So I made a joke. How does Bigfoot wipe his butt? <laughs> or people say he smells yeah. a lot, right? He smells a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's so the explanation I got why yeah, Bigfoot smells that. is because of the technology when they are able to warp in and out of interdimensional pocket spaces at that technology, it just makes a smell. And that's what that is. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. Yep. So people think of Bigfoot not doing his hygiene. Nah, it's just kind of like maybe uh, <laughs> when we start our car and it has that smell sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So, but me, I'm like, what, what does Bigfoot do? Does he watch Netflix? He hacks into our system. He's watching Netflix. What does he do for his activities of daily living, right? But of course, I'm thinking of it from a human's point of view. Yeah. So yeah, so now this really goes down the rabbit hole, Bigfoot, when I start hearing different people talk about it. This one guy I interviewed from Florida on my channel, it's called When Bigfoot Doesn't Fit Your Narrative. He's from Florida and he had some experiences, right? I think his opinion is Bigfoot's more terrestrial, earth-based. Oh, So okay. now to me, I'm a bit, I guess, basically agnostic means you don't know, you're not sure. So I'm a little agnostic as to exactly what Bigfoot is. I just hear a lot of things about Bigfoot. Honestly, I don't know for sure. I don't have any personal experience with Bigfoot. I just have to consider and be open-mindedness to consider other people's experiences, right? And then who knows? It's all interpretation. Everything is interpretation in how you and I internalize this world. Consciousness is primary in how we internalize and interpret things. You can have the same experience, 10 different people, and they're not all going to have the same interpretation of said experience. So that's about Bigfoot. Some other things I learned on my channel. Some people maybe mainstream or dualist, right? Dualism, 
mind body, they're separate. So maybe the body croaks and then your soul flies out of the body and goes to <laughs> yeah, wherever. Essentially. <laughs> yeah, religion teaches you that. So maybe pre-James, early James was more of a dualist. Because of my channel and because of reading more so, I guess I'm more of a, no, consciousness is primary. It's, it's one. It's all together. They're not separate. So consciousness is creating reality, future, present, past, everything really is one together. It's not limited to our linear way or limited ways of how we interpret things. I guess our three-dimensional, right, equipment. So for me, yeah, I'm not necessarily a dualist anymore. I think everything literally is connected. We say there's space, but really it's everything's connected, right? So my beliefs start really getting more open-minded, maybe different. You can have different beliefs as you get older. It's not black or white, in other words. So true. So I have yet to have somebody on the show. Um, so if you if you know somebody, let me know who has studied vampires, for okay. instance. Yeah. What do they call vampirologists or something like that? Yeah, vampirologists could be that. Sure. Have you had anybody yeah. like that on the show yet? I haven't had anybody with experience with vampires. Uh, I've had people with near-death experiences, some Bigfoot experiencers, people who've encountered entities, if you will. Entity being like, they're not exactly what kind of a label to put on it, right? Maybe a cryptid, if you will, something like that. But not a vampire. Man, I guess if you can give me the immortality of a vampire where I don't have to drink people's blood, I'll take that deal. (laughs) I don't want to have to drink people's blood, right? That's a bit uh, excessive for me. I don't want to take that trade off. But interestingly enough, <laughs> the series called The Good Place on Netflix kind of has these existential and also spiritual questions and issues it deals with. And so they're trying to finally get to the real good place. And they finally get to the real good place, like the heaven, and everybody's bored the hell out of their mind. They're depressed because they've been <laughs> – eternity's boring. It's like <laughs> I've been here forever. And so actually people just want to like not exist. They eventually just want to be done with everything. I just want to be done, right? And so that's actually what happens. People are allowed to just finally be done. If they want to, they can choose to. So I don't know. The point is what I want to be freaking immortal forever, especially – if you're one of the only persons that's immortal, kind of like Highlander series, right? You outlive everybody you love and so on. The fact that we all die, you probably heard this before, so I'm not necessarily saying anything new. And I say this with my clients a lot, by the way. We discuss issues of purpose and meaning. I do have a lot of clients that will use this nihilistic view that nothing matters and it kind of justifies their apathy and maybe fills the depression. Why does it matter? We're all going to die anyways, right? So no, Life has purpose and meaning, but that's up to us. We have that responsibility to create it. But I was going to say, the fact that you and I know that this vessel expires someday, it has an end date, that's what gives this life purpose and meaning. It focuses us. There is some sense of urgency that has graduated levels of intensity as you get older. When you're 20 years old, let's be honest, I'm going to live forever. There's less sense of urgency, right? When you're almost like me, I'll be 52 in a few months. I still feel like I'm going to live forever, but maybe there's more sense of urgency (laughs) in how I'm focusing the time I have left. Gives my life more meaning. So anyways, good questions. And if anybody wants to look at the channel, they can. There's a a bunch of stuff and I'm still going to be adding things. It's a very flexible channel. It's not just one little box. I've been on there too. Yeah. You and I was a guest. (laughs) I know. I'm going to bring that up. You've been on there too. We talk about you met Jesus and he commissioned you with uh, spreading the word of love. That's right. Because that's how Jesus outsmarted all the Pharisees and Sadducees. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Because if he picks one, that means he's dismissing the arrest so they can get him in trouble for that. So he says, the first and greatest commandment, love God with all your heart and soul, 
Love your neighbors as you love yourself. On these two hangs everything, all the laws, all the prophets, if you do that, right? So it doesn't surprise me that when you met Jesus, he says, spread love, the message of love. Yeah. So from a psychotherapist's point of view or perspective, I consider myself a psychic medium. I have lots of friends that are, and I'm sure there's a component of wanting to ensure that our experiences are mm-hmm real and that we aren't (laughs) crazy. So from a psychotherapist perspective, what are your thoughts on that as a professional? Yeah. So as a professional, there's two sides of it. So we'll say column A and column B. In column A, I genuinely believe in the paranormal. I believe that people have extra, extra, like existentiary perception type gifts, whether it's telepathy, intuition, claircognizant, clairvoyancy. So I believe in those things. In fact, so does some of our official government agencies, whether it be civil, county, the federal. There's been police departments that actually got psychic mediums to help them find missing people, that remote viewing stuff. So this is something that has some credibility in terms of it being respected, not just by people with opinions and beliefs like you and I, but but actual organizations that, wow, yeah, our government. True. So me – yeah. Yes, it's real. I do believe there is something to it. But the thing is, just because we don't have um, necessarily the faculties or equipment or the right language or we don't have the capacity to necessarily best explain it or describe it, doesn't mean that there's not still something there because that to me is faulty logic or it's a bit lazy. So because I don't know how to explain a particular process, then therefore the process doesn't exist, right? I mean, to me, that's almost childish. Sure, it's sure. almost childish, like throwing a fit. Well, yeah. it can't be explained, so it's not real. <laughs> I used to watch the mediums and they kind of ask these questions to try to like focus and then narrow it down to what the person who's passed over or spirit is trying to communicate. So as a facilitation, and maybe they communicate through messages or symbols or understandings. Well, that's actually in the Bible. People have messages and dreams through symbols and things like that. So, okay, I started looking at that. Okay, could somebody just get really crafty and good at being a good listener, maybe leading the witness to maybe get the answer they're looking for? And then, aha, I just confirmed what I got you to say. And there it is. I got you talking to your grandma, for example, right? The truth is to play the devil's advocate, there's some mm-hmm, clever people mm-hmm. that probably could be pretty good at that. Maybe they're a bit talented that way. Sure. With our technology yeah. today, it's called a haunting. And what's her freaking name? She's on one of my videos. She's really good. She's real talented. And me just kind of looking at both ways. Okay, so she's going to have this celebrity. They're going to go to their old house, and she's going to facilitate some mediumship here. What's to stop her or her producers or her assistant or a private detective from getting on Google, doing some research, and learning a lot about that person's personal and private history to give her some ammunition when she goes in there and says, yeah, so I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this guy wearing a red checkered flannel shirt. He kind of appears to have blue eyes, and maybe she saw a picture of his of her grandpa or something. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right. So is it possible that somebody could get pre-information before they go work? Like in this case, it's a show. It's a celebrity, right? Yeah, it's possible. Especially in this day and age. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. is it possible somebody could do that? If we're being honest, yes, it's possible. That being said, just because that's possible, does that discount or mean that it can't also be real? No, it doesn't because it could be real. And yes, if we're being fair and honest, there can be people that are pretty clever, and they can kind of pull that off. Yeah, it's kind of like, what's going on with this person? You know, you kind of listen and pay attention. But 
I've had people be able to pick up on things. So my my wife actually was able to tell particular people we know. She didn't know anything about his family. She was able to discern that his brother had died in a car wreck and that he had a brother that passed on. And she had no knowledge of that. And he was like, yeah, my brother died in a car wreck. Because she was seeing broken glass and things like that and this something that happens person, right? So she was able to see imagery and stuff like that. Does she call herself a medium? She's just always had that ability and she's just it's just what it oh. is. She doesn't label herself. Okay, but yeah. yeah. She uh, has done this at other social events where she'll just get a feeling and she'll relay a message to somebody and they'll almost kind of get weirded out like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So I kind of had to say, hey, I was like, hey, just be careful with that. And maybe not everybody wants to know. And, you know, maybe after a couple drinks, she's like, listen, I was like, hey, <laughs> walk it back. Sometimes you got to have boundaries with that stuff, right? Yeah. So anyways, no, she has seen spirits at houses that are like from the 1800s that are downtown where we live at, stuff like that. So yeah, I've seen stuff. I know that has credibility because there's no way for her to have known certain pieces of information. So yes, it's real. But if I'm being honest and fair and balanced, are there people that are full of doo-doo that are just taking advantage and being sneaky because maybe they're going to market a product or a service or try to sell something? And, and then this story kind of gives them a driving engine to do it. Yeah. I had a lady one time as <laughs> like an NDE experience. And this was before my channel. She made it a point to keep sending me private messages telling me to take a picture with her book. And to put it on there so everybody could see it. I'm like, okay, I'm just chill out, lady. I'll I'll put a picture <laughs> there, right? Yeah. Does that mean that she didn't have a real thing? No, but she sure is milking that stuff, right? And I'm not. I'm just. Hey, it's it's it's, America. it's a free country, right? If you can uh, make it work, go for it. <laughs> right. So yes, as a psychotherapist, being a critical thinker, I use my intuition combined with my discernment because that's something that is there. We don't just take things right off the bat face value with with situations. We want to vet them, our intuition. What is that saying? Feelings are very interesting things. It's kind of like the force, like Star Wars, the energy. Emotions, when based on an accurate interpretation of things that are happening, are very important to us. So we listen to those emotions because they're going to give us information about how we make decisions about things, right? So that's a very psychotherapy type things in terms of what emotions within an appropriate context are very useful. So intuition, there's a basic level I think most people have. And then I think it, it's different layers going up that ladder, I guess, of different levels, depending on the person. So I guess as a psychotherapist, what I think about all that stuff to answer your question, I obviously believe in the paranormal or I wouldn't be doing my channel. I've had my own paranormal experiences. I'm not freaking crazy to <laughs> yeah. use the word crazy, right? Right, right. I had one person try to read me and I was being polite and gracious. I didn't want them to feel bad or inadequate or, or anything like that. But they were really way off. And that doesn't mean they weren't talking to people. Maybe nobody's interested in talking to me. I don't know. Maybe there's just some passerbys <laughs> that popped in, right? I don't know. Yeah. But she asked a question, something about my mother that was way off, totally the opposite, right? So I was like, no, no, not my mom. But it's okay. I mean, I was being nice. So I was like, look, we'll make this easier. I was trying to like, get her off the hook a little bit because I was feeling sorry. I was like, I was, look, just anybody wants to chat, that's cool. It doesn't have to be my family, right? So then that makes it a little easier. Give me anybody. It's just a passerby in the spiritual park walking by. Hey, some guy wants to chat. That's really nice of you. Yeah. yeah. I saw Expedition Unknown on the Discovery Channel with Josh Gates, I think. He's a real tall guy, archaeologist guy. Well, he had one of these people on as a part of his show about a medium. 
that person was so good with all the details about, I think, his grandparent or something that they got him to cry on the show because it was so personal, the message. Well, that can happen. That can definitely happen with the readings. You had mentioned that you've had your own personal paranormal experiences. Would you uh, care to elaborate? Wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, let me give examples in different domains or dimensions. Okay. So in my dreams... I've had some experiences in dreams that were very distinct. Obviously, it's a message. It's something that's it just sticks out. This is not a regular dream. So for the sake of privacy, I'll just say in a general sense, I had a person that while they're still alive, their future self from the future after they had died came to me in my dream. And it was clearly obvious and evident that this is them after they've died in the future. And basically, they're trying to come back to try to say something like they're sorry or apologize to that extent. And, and in my dream, I'm like, yeah, well, I, I just was honestly, I wasn't interested, to be honest with you. So boundary, chum, and that person has since passed on. And now I'm like, well, OK, you know, maybe you come back again. I'll let you say sorry. Right. So, yeah. So there's stuff like that in dreams, things that have come true as far as messages in dreams, things that defy physics or things that like have no explanation. There's no outward external mover or force acting upon thing. So there's a, a toy called Billy Bass. So Billy Bass is a fish mounted and it wiggles and stinks. Pull me <laughs> yep. down the river. And this house, my wife's father used to have a Billy Bass, but he since had been deceased. This was probably 12 years ago. So I had to go downstairs to borrow the computer because mine upstairs was having problems. So I go downstairs, I'm by myself and I'm on the computer And I start hearing something behind the couch, like it's smacking the couch and the baseboard, like making this noise. I'm like, what the hell is that noise? It's weird. And so I stand up and I pull the couch back and there's that Billy Bass toy. And it's also singing, sold me down the river, like a song. So I pick it up and I'm not really thinking much of it until when I turn it around the back, it has no batteries in it. It has no power source. (gasps) Yeah. No. I swear. (laughs) I swear to the almighty source. Wow. And you know what? The interesting thing was, I was like, eh, it's just another day. It really (laughs) didn't bother me. I wasn't scared. I was more like, I need to get back to what I was doing on the computer. And that's what I did. And then I told my wife about it. She goes like, yeah, that belonged to my dad. So the TV sometimes turns off and on, but there might be explanations how that might happen, right? But the TV, okay, so that's Billy Bass. That's probably a pretty good one. There's no batteries. That's a good one. How's that going to work about power source, right? Okay. Yeah. So they used to have these rings of chains that connect to a pole. So the idea is the kids hang on the ring and you run in circles and then you swing around and you balance each other and you swing around and you swing around. So it was Anderson Park and Alice when I was a little kid. So I'm walking home by myself. The park is dead empty. There's no wind. And before I cross the street to go across the field to a shortcut to get to my house, I'm like, let me jump on this ring thing and um, give it a little spin here a couple of times just for fun. Well, because of weights and balances, me at that time, I was a little kid. I may have weighed 110 pounds at that time, but still that's dead weight. So I grab it. And of course, the other side of the ring goes straight up because of all my weight. So it's really not going to go far as the point. So I try to run a couple of times. I'm not getting any action because it's too heavy on one end. You need somebody on the other side to balance it to get the swing in action. So I did it one more time and then it gets level. (laughs) Now I'm swinging and not only my level, now I'm up high and there's nothing on the other side to counter my weight when this happens. Now this time I was scared. What the hell's happening? Yeah, I got scared. And when I finally got close enough 
to where I didn't think I was going to get hurt. I let go and then landed and then ran home after that. Wow. <laughs> was that park known to have activity or tragedy or anything like that? It could be. Who knows? South mm. Texas, you can probably have um, any number of deceased people, graves all over the place you don't even know about, Native Americans, people who might have died in that area. True. Who knows? So here's a quick ghost story. So most ghost stories you hear, well, a lot of them anyways, there's different aspects of them, why somebody might get scared. So for me, I had an experience in an old house where the couple had died in it. And there was a few experiences in this house, not just one of multiple people. So there's consensus. A lot of people were having experiences. So in this house, there is a um, like hardwood floors. It's got like a wall unit, AC. So it's a really old style house and it's the acoustics. You can hear everything in the house. It's just a big, big house. So I'm in bed. It's in the winter and I feel something kind of like touching my feet and my feet are sticking out of the sheets a little bit. So I just feel that. And it's a sensation. I'm like, what's going on? Something's touching my foot. So I sit up in the sheets and I'm looking and I see a tall man. He's probably over six feet tall. He had a plaid flannel kind of a shirt, mixture of colors, or maybe some red and black and some gray in there or something. And very, very, very faded blue jeans with an old style belt. And he's just sitting there kind of like doing this to my feet, almost with a curiosity, kind of like, what are you doing here? Kind of a look. And me, I'm not freaking out. Not yet. <laughs> the reason is, is that I'm, I'm rationalizing. I'm trying to make sense of what's happening here. And so I'm like, you know, I, I'm probably still dreaming. I'm half awake, half asleep because that can happen sometimes. You can be drifting in and out of a dream. You're half awake, half asleep. What got me was when I realized I'm completely awake <laughs> and that shit is still right there. Yeah. And then in that oh, instant, goodness. my fight or flight kicked in. Ah, I reached forward and I swung at him. It was just a reflex, fight or flight, right? And as I was making contact, then he kind of dissipated and, and was not there. So everybody in the house heard me. So the next morning we're drinking coffee and I was like, hey, yeah, y'all may have heard me last night. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. We know. Like they already kind of knew about the house. And there was another experience of pressure on the bed. And I woke up feeling pressure on the end of the bed. But this time it was more a black spherical shaped mass that pushed down the bed. And then it went off the bed and, and out the door into the hallway. Ooh. Yeah. So there you go. So there's that. And I did have two wow. small women pick me up with one finger one time doing this light as a feather spell as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. And if anybody thinks, oh, it's just a trick or leverages, okay, go to a gym, find a, a dumbbell that weighs 120, 130 pounds and get one other person. And just with your fingers over, let me see you lift it off the floor like it's nothing, like a feather. Like real quick, good luck with that. It's going to be hard for grown men to do that, much less little girls that are like 12 years old. So I was young. I probably weighed maybe 115, 120 pounds, I think. I was still a kid. And I was like oblivious. What's this spell? They're doing like this magic stuff and they got their spell stuff and they go light as a feather, something or another, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they just put the finger and off I come off the floor. My brother was there and he's like, oh shit. Now he's like freaking out. Years later, I worked in a... They kind of call them halfway houses, but they're really uh, residential treatment centers. So I worked in a place as a counselor for people who were felons coming out of the prison system. So this was a transition to go into treatment for a program. 
and then they would start being released for work and then gradually work them back into the community to live on their own and get a job and all that. So these individuals had to go to my group. So I had them captive because they're like probation, parole, whatever. So Mr. Hunter, yeah, they all call me Mr. Hunter. It's funny. Like, uh, they, they were like, Mr. Hunter, tell us about the days when you'd go to the bars. They wanted me to tell them like my old stories. But anyways, so these guys did this magic, like you can call it black magic or whatever it want. But we were in the bunk area. Their dorm area is because we do the group back there in the evenings. And this one guy, he probably was a good 250 pound guy, 260 pounds, maybe sitting on a a metal chair that was not bolted down. It's a metal chair you can move. Yeah, good idea, right? Have a metal chair <laughs> and a dorm of felons that can be violent. Yeah, who came up with that idea? But yeah, there's this metal chair in there. And so this guy's sitting on it and they're like, sir, Mr. Hunter, just real quick, you got to watch Mr. Hunter. So I'm here trying to do my group about process and education, all this stuff, but no, Mr. Hunter, let us show you this. I'm like, okay. I had good rapport with them. So they're cool with me, right? Hey, if you respect them, they respect you. So the, basically here's what they did. Two guys put their fingers under, I think it was like maybe two fingers. They did two fingers. So they put under the stool on both sides, said some spell. And it's not so much that it's not possible to lift somebody. It's it, it's technically possible, but it would be an exertion of strength and it would take an effort. That's the point. I mean, you can get someone strong and put your fingers and try to lift somebody up. It's going to take an effort. But what was interesting and I find very curious is that when they do this and they recited some kind of a spell, it's not like he comes up off the ground like he's being lifted. It's like he immediately comes off that floor like effortlessly real light so this big guy just comes off the floor like nothing so anyways i've seen people do some things you could call it magic spells whatever and by the way what does spelling mean right we're taught to spell as kids well what's a spell spelling when you're writing words you're dictating a reality so my opinion is because consciousness does create reality it's primary and we're surrounded by spells every day you can say – you can call it cognitive stuff if you want to be scientific, peripheral messages, or more direct in your face. So television does it. They're spelling every day. They're telling you what to be afraid of, what you need to be ready to be sick for and go ask for the drug, all the drug commercials, right? So what to be afraid of, what sickness you're going to get. This is all a narrative. They're putting all these messages out there. It's very powerful, the things we do, right? I mean, that's where spelling, I guess, technically comes from, right? Spells. So I heard one kind of spin and take on that. So that's why there's a lot of fighting in this world. Who's going to control the narrative, right? Some people put propaganda. Other people try to put other messages. You have the left or the right, liberal, conservative, this group, that group. So everybody's fighting to put forth a narrative because what everybody thinks is very powerful is the point, right? So think about that. So when I write stuff... That's very cognitive because it's reinforcing a way of thinking. So whether you believe in literal magic or not, or the metaphysical or paranormal or spiritual, whether you believe in that or not, at a minimum, spelling and a way of thinking is a type of programming because it influences what yeah. you think, feel, and what your experience is. So anyways, I kind of went a little <laughs> here and there, but... Well, there's just so many great topics, so many rabbit holes. Well, James, you know, this has just been absolutely fascinating. I think that there's a lot of material here to maybe do like uh, three, four, or five more episodes. Yeah, for sure. But to help wrap up our interview today, what advice would the James of today give the James yeah. from his past? You know, good question. It's kind of like, what if you could go back in history and tell your younger self, right? So yeah. I've, I've thought about this question before. What advice would I give? So 
I think for me, I would tell my younger self not to waste my time on unproductive things that do not add value, that don't speak life into a way of living that's going to support what I do value. So for me, I would also tell my younger self to, if you will, to see the forest through the trees more. I think when you're younger, we get distracted by just looking at things in front of us, right? So for me, when I started to wake up more, I guess if you call it my intuition, is when I started to be less concerned or worried about what other people think about what I do, not to be dismissive that we can't be considerate of people. We can, but that doesn't mean we have to compromise our values, right? We can still be supportive and not compromise our values. So I would tell myself that time is so precious and it's very powerful how we focus our time. Truth be told, my younger self was very passionate. Technically, I've never been afraid to follow my passion or follow my intuition. But when I was younger, I was less focused. It, it could go many directions. So I would try to help my younger self be more focused with my boldness, maybe a bit more specific things that are more important. For example, I would have told my younger self, hey, get connected with respect in nature now. Don't wait till you get older. Animals are sentient beings. I liked my pets growing up and I suppose I also loved them. But the way I view all life on this planet now, it's just so different now that I'm older. My awareness that everything is precious in this world and it matters. So I would have told my younger self, compassion, empathy, all life on this planet, nature, all that stuff, to have compassion for animals, sentient beings. Uh, I would have told myself, James, don't personalize things sometimes, right? Because that can happen to the best of us. We personalize stuff that happens because technically nothing is personal in this world. <laughs> Other people's behaviors or what they might say or think about you is primarily a function of their own awareness of themselves. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty common thing that's said, you know, if, if you read the uh, Four Agreements, write that book. But that's also a very cognitive thing in therapy. Technically, nothing's personal. It's not. And then just to start applying what I know quicker, because I've always had pretty decent amount of knowledge, but knowledge by itself is not power. It's the application of knowledge. So I would have told young James, start applying that stuff, you know, sooner than later. But here's the biggest thing I would have told young James, the explanation for situations in life, whatever it is, you have a problem or a challenge. The explanation at a certain point is not as important. It's not, not anymore as a situation itself. That's it. So if you're unhappy, move in the direction of things that give you happiness. If you have things you feel uncomfortable with, it suffice just to know you're uncomfortable with something. That's it. Explanation. For all the stuff around it is this peripheral noise that's not as important, more so than what you plan to do about it. And as I started, I guess, to wake up more as I got older, I definitely did those things. I wasn't afraid to quit a job that felt unfulfilling. A lot of times jobs are analogous to codependency with a toxic person. I see a very strong parallels that people that can't leave jobs that are toxic. So yeah, those are some of the things I would have told my younger self. I guess I ended up doing what I do because I couldn't sing or dance. I wouldn't tell myself to do anything different career-wise. I think I'd still be doing this. That's wonderful. Yeah. I really appreciate you for your time tonight and for sharing many things that you've experienced so far personally and through other people's stories and for continuing to share your truth out there through your YouTube channel and your other outlets that you use. So again, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you too. And yeah, if you ever want to do a part two, there's a lot of other rabbit holes. We can discuss things, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> Thank you.
And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.